You're listening to episode 13 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there, you're listening to episode 13, the Musicpreneur Spotlight on Sub Radio. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help freelancers and DIY musicians become full-fledged musicpreneurs by building sustainable careers in music. And I am so happy you're here with me because today is a very special episode. Each month, we'll spotlight one artist or band who's doing something really interesting when it comes to how they approach the business side of their career. This week, we have our first official guests, DC-based pop rock band Subradio. You may already be familiar with them as they provide the theme music for this podcast, and I couldn't think of a better band to start us off with our interview series. Our intro and outro of every episode contains music from their insanely catchy single, Up. They also did a wonderfully creative video for the song, so be sure to check it out on YouTube. The link is in the show notes of this episode. Before I begin the interview, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on this incredible group of guys. The band consists of six members, Adam on lead vocals, Matt on guitar and backing vocals, Michael P on drums and backing vocals, Michael C on guitars, keys, and backing vocals, John on keys, guitar, and backing vocals, and finally, Barry on bass. They've all known each other since their early days in high school and have been playing together for the better part of nine years. If you like infectiously well-played pop rock, these guys are right up your alley. Think Maroon 5 meets Walk the Moon. In 2016, they released their debut EP, Same Train, Different Station, followed by six singles released consecutively between April and September of last year. Their upcoming EP, Head First, tackles the 21st century struggle to define relationships with the lead single, What Are We?, out now. No matter the project, you can expect high-energy and well-crafted hooks. You can read all about them on their website, sub-radio.com. The link can also be found in our show notes. Adam, Matt, and both Michaels joined me the other day for a sit-down to discuss how they navigate the business end of their music and how they balance it all between six members, each with their own day jobs and responsibilities. As we discussed last week in episode 12, Stop Hating Your Day Job, we discussed the fact that you don't need to feel stifled or held back by your day job and other responsibilities, and with some planning and communication with your team, you can make real progress in your music career. Be sure to check out the show notes at therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP13, and you'll find everything that's noteworthy mentioned in the links and rock sources section of the show notes. And without any further delay, here's my interview with four sixths of Subradio. I'm here with Subradio, well, most parts of Subradio. Um, so I'll let you guys introduce yourself and tell us uh, who's here with us. So you guys let us know who do we got. Yeah, I'm Michael. I'm the drummer. I'm Matt. I'm the guitarist. This is Adam Bradley, I'm the lead singer. Uh, this is Michael. And I also play guitars and keys. Awesome. Welcome, guys. I want to dig in. I, I gave everybody a, a little rundown of your story and how you got started and all that. And where you guys are now, I've, I think I met you guys about three or four years ago, and you've you know really come a long way. You've been getting a lot of great press lately. And your social media, your websites, your videos, 
there's so much creativity. There's so much strong branding behind it. What's your approach there? Do you guys outsource that? Is that just a matter of you guys staying organized and having certain roles when it comes to what you put out on social media? How does that work? As far as social media goes, we actually have a lot of meetings about this because yeah. um, for a long time it was not that way. Um, but recently we've kind of like upped our game and what we like to do is kind of like assign certain roles to certain people. Adam handles Twitter most of the time and Mike handles a lot of Instagram and then me and Mike Chinnon will do a lot of uh, a lot of Facebook posting. So that's how we kind of keep our all of our angles covered on uh, on social media. For for press, we were fortunate enough back maybe I don't know how long ago it was launched, maybe two years ago we met yeah. Chrissy. Yeah. So yeah, we exactly. met Chrissy Borsolino. And she works for WMAs, which is Weller Media Agency. And then two years later, we decided we wanted to like give PR a shot for our latest release, which is uh, What Are We? came out in January. Uh, and yeah, she's been great. She uh, works for WMA, and she's been really awesome for us so far. Oh, awesome. There are six of you guys, and you guys had just said that you have certain roles when it comes to social media. What other jobs and like, how do you guys kind of make this all work in terms of who's handling what so that things don't get doubled up on or things don't fall through the cracks. What's your approach there? We have a massive fucking iMessage that takes <laughs> all of the storage on my phone through which we, we coordinate like everything. We coordinate shows and practices and what we're posting on Instagram and like when people are going on vacation and what our next song is about, everything is in this iMessage thread. So, so that's that's sort of like our our primary uh, organizational tool right now. And then we've got like a Facebook group where we do things, and like uh, yeah, we we, we've we've got a, a Google Calendar that we all update together. So it is like a huge logistical undertaking with this many guys who don't live together. Like some of us live together in pairs, but not all six of us in the same house throughout the week. Um, and so it's it's a lot of you know texting back and forth and like. Our John, our keyboard player, will leave work at the end of the day at five thirty, and he's got like one hundred and seventy-five iMessage notifications. <laughs> and like, um, so it is, it, it it it's a it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of like juggling things in our heads. But uh, it you know it's 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 exciting and kind of shocking to hear you say that we have a really strong brand and like we're putting stuff out in a lot of channels. I mean that's great. When we're doing it, it feels like we're doing it so scattershot and <laughs> we just, we're just like feeding the beast. And so it's nice that, uh, it's, it's coming out in a coherent way. Cause I don't think it always feels the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I saw, um, you know, Mike was, was spray painting some of your equipment and I, I had messaged on Instagram saying, you know, I love the branding, whether that was intentional or not. But what I think is great that you guys do is, you know, your website has a flow. You guys have professional pictures up. All your social media is all coherent and the same. You can tell it's all the same band. You know, I, I know when I'm on a sub radio channel, it's not like, wait, is this their Twitter? Or is this another band? Like it's, yeah. it's cohesive. So I think, you know, that's to your credit, especially when you're dividing up the roles among six of you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think some of that coherence probably comes from like, we've been doing this now for years and years and years coming up on like nine years of the same six guys being together and like sub radio hasn't existed for nine years, but we've been doing the music thing for that long. So I think we're, we're getting to the mind meld part of our relationships probably. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. So when you guys are balancing all of these different 
jobs, responsibilities, other things. Like you said, you guys don't all live in the same house together. Is it a struggle when it comes to the business aspect of it? Or do you guys kind of all like, how do you see it? Is it just like, man, I wish I could just play music or do you see it as a larger kind of structure? Uh, I think for a long time we've had to look at it like from both sides, like from the business side and the music side. I know I'm definitely like the first person to be thinking about like what our next step is. I mean, I do a lot of songwriting too. We all do, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a balance. I don't know what you guys take on that is. Yeah, the the business side is uh, frankly something we didn't consider like as as a unit for a long time. I think we were like making merchandise without any sort of end goal as to like what our profit is going to be and what our margin is going to be. And we were kind of writing and recording songs without a, without a ton of direction, like for years. And so now we're after, after going through all of that and, and, uh, discovering what a pitfall that is, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we have, we've learned from that and we're, we're really trying to, like run the band as a sustainable, like small business with like a sizable income that is like large enough to support all of the endeavors of the business uh, and beyond. So like, as it stands today, we all have day jobs, but our day jobs like fund us as human beings. <laughs> they uh, our money from our day jobs does go a little bit into funding the band, but for the most part, the band is like, self-sustaining and is growing in capital <laughs> which is really cool what, what it consists that's awesome yeah so it's it's taken a long time and it's taken a lot of work and we're still learning yeah uh, it's it's scaled up since day one like the amount yeah. we earned has gone up so we've been able to spend more on the business too right which has been great you know we've been able to pay for things like i mentioned before pr and like new merch and like new cds and all that stuff is coming out with the singles and it's all coordinated now because we actually have meetings to talk about it so it has. It has yeah. been good. We we are kind of fortunate that we kind of just backed into a good structure where you know we've got Matt who is sort of like over time taken on the role of like sub radio business manager and then sort of like we've all slotted into our separate support roles of like what we handle that's not music and we didn't we we didn't really have a focused discussion about that until very recently but it was always stuff that we were all doing. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a good model for other people or not, but like, uh, it was, it was, it was something that we sort of discovered as it went and then it happened to work for us. I think it all came pretty naturally to most yeah. of us. It wasn't anything that we like set out immediately. Mm-hmm. Cause we started so young. You're not thinking about not that when you're 17. Yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. And I think that's to your credit. I mean, you know, each time I've run into you guys or seen you play at another uh, conference, you notice that I think I said to you last time you guys were in New York playing that you understand all six of you understand the importance of the performance up on stage where like if Mike is drumming or um, if Barry's playing the bass, you know, it's not just, oh, I'm just I'm not singing. So I'm just going to play my instrument. You guys all interact with the crowd. You all interact with each other. And I feel that you all have a very good understanding of all the different components, even if it doesn't always feel balanced or in sync or, you know, that you it can feel kind of crazy at times. I think you guys have all seemed to embrace the fact that it's not just songwriting when it comes to building a career in music. It's the way you interact with your fans. It's the way you build your brand. It's who you bring on your team. So I think everything you guys are saying here is really important for our listeners to get 
um, if they want to start really ramping up their press or, you know, want to start having a sustainable band as you guys do. I think that's a really important point to, you know, hone in on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, if I can add one more thing to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. And, uh, and to that point, like for any listeners, what one thing that I've kind of come to aim for is that all those things that aren't the songwriting and aren't the music, all of the additional things like running the social media and all the logistics, it can be fun. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be painstaking work. Like you can do it in a way that is also fulfilling and is also enjoyable. And we have strived to do that with all of the, the band inner workings. We've tried to make it really fun for ourselves to do. And then it's motivating. We're always psyched to do it. Those are nice. Like when you, when you are motivated, it is fun. You see progress and you people see people like responding and interacting. It's, it's nice. It's fun to, you know, talk to your actual fans over the internet. Yeah. See people. That's the type of energy you need. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So great answers guys, really. So my next question for you kind of flows into what, what we were just talking about. So you, you said that you, you know, didn't start out with this outlook at 16, 17 years old. Now that you guys, you know, it's been eight or nine years and you've kind of found your flow. Maybe you're still perfecting it or still working at it, but you've kind of found certain things that work for you. I'm always from the standpoint of, you know, nothing's wasted, no learning experience or failure or mistake is wasted. But if you could go back and from what you know now, what what's something maybe each of you can go down the line and share something that you kind of wished you knew or had figured out a little sooner to maybe move things along? What would that be? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, the first thing and a big thing that comes to mind. So uh, for me, I'm a self-taught musician, a totally uh, self-taught musician. I'm the drummer, but I, I play guitar, I play piano, I, I play like most of the uh, general like common instruments. But because I was self-taught, and when I was young, I was so like hell bent on being self-taught, and I like didn't want teachers, and I didn't want to be influenced. I wanted it to be natural. That I didn't learn a lot of the fundamentals about music, and especially. Um, how to talk about music, mm. like how to communicate like what's in your head to the other people around you in the musical language is such an important skill. And if you don't learn it early, it's so much harder to get there later. So if I could go back, I would like to take a music theory class <laughs> <laughs> like ever. and like maybe some drum lessons when I was 16 because now I'm working through like even some coordination uh, problems and that I like wouldn't have had to worry about if I just had a teacher in the beginning. But man, having teachers, like I've so value, I, I so much value having a teacher now. And I wish that I valued that when I was young. Interesting. Very nice. How about some of the other guys? What do you guys feel is if you could say, man, I would have saved so much time if, or I would have saved so much money if. Man, if we would have saved so much money, if we would have figured out um, how to find people who could get our recording vision correct instead yeah. of going to like the because uh, what we did back when we were younger is we just went to like there was a couple studios like local studios around town we went to this one studio we found this producer who we like he's like a really nice guy it just like the visions that we had for the music just like didn't line up and like at the time we didn't really understand that because we were still very new to recording so we blew a lot of money and like we weren't we weren't extremely happy with the product that we got but now looking back on it, if we would have like focused more on like 
writing into a certain vein and then finding someone who understood that vision, I think we would have saved a lot of money and a lot of time just right there. And I think we all would have been happier with the product as a result. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's common for a lot of bands that feel your pain. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think a lot of it, a lot of the problems for us early on and for me personally, boil down to like you you need like a clarifying vision of why you're doing this, and you need to like talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I think you know it's so easy for I think in particular like a bunch of white high school guys to get together and be like, we can all play instruments. So we should be in a band that releases music. And that's like, not, th- those aren't the minimum standards. <laughs> like, <laughs> you should have like something to say and like, <laughs> that you want to perform. And like, we just didn't think about that. Or I didn't think about that for a long time. You should make music because you want to do something with it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, I think for a long time it was like, I want to make music because I'm good at like putting chords together. And so people should listen to me <laughs> and like make something that is, is worthy of being listening, listened to. And I think that requires a lot of clarifying what your vision is before you do it rather than like, as you're doing it. You know? Awesome. Awesome answer. We have one more. Uh, I mean, if I could go back <laughs> in time, like, honestly, like I would tell myself to essentially not be so serious as all the other guys can probably, uh, vouch for that um whenever like like essentially like since i joined the band i you know i have a ton of fun on stage and stuff but like sometimes like doesn't always show well like i i'm probably what people would consider the very serious member on stage like lately i've been like you know working on that a lot but i just wish like you know starting at the beginning i could just tell myself to not be so serious you know relax loosen up have more fun (laughs) i think like in the last like few months or so, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Like on stage, like I'm definitely like you know up there, you know, dancing around, having fun. But like sometimes you can still see like on my face, like I'm very serious. And it's so it. it's so funny because you're like the silliest dude in sub radio. <laughs> it's like That's the true. extremes of the duality, and then it's yeah. As soon as you step off stage, you're like yeah, you're like the silliest guy. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah it's I feel like that's so common. And a lot of it is like focusing on like the music itself and making sure you know you're performing everything well. But at the same time, like you know, when you're like performing, you also want to like have the crowd sort of vibe off of how you're performing. So like, if you're too serious, they might just be like, like "Is this guy even having fun?" What's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, you know, it's something we talk about a lot on this podcast is, you know, there's so much structure and there's so much routine and there's so much planning and and strategizing and and so much that goes into it that sometimes we forget to just kind of sit back and, you know, figure out why we're, you know, realize why we're doing it. It's to have fun. It's to live. It's to, you know, have great experiences and create great memories. And sometimes that can get lost with trying to juggle everything and not drop anything. And, you know, that can get kind of stressful. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I know a lot of our listeners feel that way. And I think it's important to, you know, live in the moment. I know that's why a lot of people have started meditating lately um, and trying to be that present self, because that's something a lot of us forget to do very often. Well, I wanted to talk about um, another thing kind of flows into it because we've been talking about, you know, what you've learned over the years. We've also mentioned on this show about 
kind of being the newbie or being the, the, the small fish in the big pond as you get to the next plateau and as you move into a different stage in your career. I, I want to get your take on it. But before I do, I want to read this quick blurb from the festival beat. Uh, they had reviewed your performance at Firefly last year. And I thought it was a really interesting quote that I wanted to get your uh, take on. They said about Subradio at Firefly, really, they were almost our favorite show of the day. Despite being so early and at the tiny North Hub stage, their energy was incredible. The Sugar We're Going Down cover was amazing and showed that they absolutely deserve to be in the festival. They are pretty much unknowns now, but we wouldn't be all surprised to see them blow up. They're too talented not to. And since they're releasing a single a month for the rest of the year, they have plenty of new stuff coming. What's your reaction to stuff like that when you're at a place like Firefly and you're kind of the newbies or the unknowns as they call you guys? Do you feel that pressure or do you just kind of do your thing? How does something like an opportunity like that feel to you guys? Oh, that's the great thing about being the the unknown. To Mike's point about like trying to lose some inhibitions on stage, like it's kind of liberating to get up on stage and know that you don't suck. And therefore you're going to exceed people's expectations and you're also starting from zero. And so you have the chance to pull in like every, so, so I guess all of that is like the low pressure. I think to me, the high pressure part is like, you probably only have one chance to sell yourself to a lot of people Mm. um, because, you know, being such low profile, you never know when they're ever going to see you again uh, or interact with your content again. And so every show becomes very important as far as like showing your best face and like communicating every single thing that you're about. So it's, so it's a couple things, but I think mostly, especially at Firefly, like we had a blast there because there was nothing to prove. The, the biggest crowd that we've played for probably ever, mostly folks who have never heard us and there's nothing to lose at all. I think that's a really great outlook. Do you, do you guys all feel the same or does anybody have anything to add? Pretty much we got to Firefly. I mean, I, I I was just having a blast because I was talking to a bunch of people who I looked up to because um, we got to go back to the mm-hmm. artist lounge. So, you know, we got to meet a couple of people that we really, really loved. Um, one of those bands was Mr. Wives. Um, and I, I'm a huge fan of them. So I was very happy to meet them. But when we got on stage, at least for me, we had run that. How many times have we run that set? Like, <laughs> ten times. We had maybe run that set 10 times. So, like, I, I didn't really feel any pressure. I was, I mean, I get a little nervous before like some of the bigger shows. But honestly, when we got on stage, I just had fun with it. Mm-hmm. I think everyone did. That was one of my favorite shows we ever played. And it was on a small stage. And yeah, there weren't many people before us. But like, man, we got on stage. A ton of people came to see what we were all about. And it was a really good time. That's the, You can see there are pictures of us from Firefly. And it was like hard to photograph us during that show. Because <laughs> nobody stopped moving the whole time. <laughs> uh, and there were a bunch of like very blurry pictures of us on that stage. Because I think we were just like losing our minds that we were even doing this. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I'm I'm really glad that you all have that outlook because I certainly have gotten there. It took me a few years to to get to that outlook, and I think that is important. That you know, my dad used to say one of your greatest assets is letting is being the underdog. You know, letting people underestimate you is like the biggest thing you can have in your arsenal because like you said it can only go up they don't know you from anything so if you stink maybe you'll just kind of quietly go into the fade into the background and and wait for your next opportunity or you know you'll really blow them away because they weren't expecting you know or they didn't know what to expect so i think that's really important for musicians to to think about when i read that review i thought that's a really great thing that i wanted to to bring to the show with you guys is to 
all those other bands that are maybe too afraid to go do a bigger show or go play to a new audience that it can really work in your favor. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. I, I think I, this is probably a very cynical outlook, but I think that being better than people expect might be better than being. Um, <laughs> like, at, at, least, at least for one time. Like, <laughs> if you're the opener and they expect you to be awful and then you're not awful, I think that's better than doing the, the, the show that you wanted to do necessarily. So, like, especially when you're thinking about these big shows that maybe you're nervous about or scared about, like, not being not living up to it. If you can just exceed people's expectations, I think that's a big step. Absolutely. So kind of touched on it, but part of the reason that none of us, it seemed were super nervous about the show is because like Matt touched on, we had practiced this set like endlessly. And so coming up to the show, we were all very, very confident in our performance and our knowledge of the music and our ability to play it. So if you're going to take a next step and like go somewhere and play to an audience you've never played to before, I think it's like the best thing you can do. But man, you damn well make sure that you are confident in what you're playing. Because if you don't, if you're not confident in what you're playing, the worst thing is playing in front of a crowd you've never seen, being super uncomfortable the whole time and not sounding good. (laughs) Uh, You know, just just to quickly on that point, I mean, we've seen a lot of bands in the last 10 years, not just at Firefly, who I think... I have maybe a lot of unearned confidence because they have the mindset that we do, but haven't put in the work, mm. um, like actually prepare what they're going to do. They just assume that it will be good when they get on stage. And I think you have to do both. You have to assume that you'll be good when you get on stage and also eliminate any doubt that you won't be good by doing it over and over <laughs> and over. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like one of the more common things that we see in bands that you know, smaller bands that we see live and we're like, there's something there, but they, this is clearly like the first time they've played all this stuff. I think to, yeah, to Michael's point, it's like a, a, I think a common problem that a lot of bands have and that we probably had for a while. Oh is yeah. That, like, <laughs> super, super, super underprepared, but still think that they're killing it. If you're underprepared, like it'll definitely show. That's the one thing. So definitely prepare for any big shows. It's, it's important. Excellent advice, guys. And so in the review that the Festival uh, Beat said, they did mention the fact that last year you had released a single a month for most of the year. I think it was, what, April through September? Yeah. Okay, so you did your EP, your debut EP in 2016. And then in 2017, as we just said, you guys went to monthly single releases and then followed it up with a holiday EP in December. I know you guys are working on another EP for the spring, and I want to hear all about that. But I'm curious about where did the decision come in or was it even discussed that you would do an EP and then switch it to single releases and then do another EP? Man. We <laughs> so many times. Yeah. We saw a number of artists who have started to switch away from the album format and go into when they have music ready, they just release it. Um, and we wanted to give that a shot, so we did, and we had a lot of success with it actually. But I would say the decision came after like a series of meetings um, where we were just like, "Well, if we do this, then this will happen, and if we do this." then this will happen. And so we kind of went back and forth for a while. It's like months of deliberations about this. <laughs> yeah. and then, like to your point, I think we probably mentioned or the, the, the folks who wrote that review had heard that like, we're planning on doing this for the rest of the year. We totally were. That was the intention. Um, and we got, we got like several months in and we were like, this is a grind. Because <laughs> uh, it was a grind. 
I mean, it was, it was fun and like kind of exhilarating to be just like cranking out stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we like learned a lot from it and I think our fans had a lot of fun with it as well. And we're going slightly more traditional now with lead single followed by EP release. But I think it's, it's good that we have like, you know, you, you mentioned we had the full length out in 2016 and then all of these singles and now we're doing a PR backed EP style release. And like, we have a lot of experience with different kinds of releases, which I think is good. Part of the other reason is we, we talked to some friends of ours who were in like some other bands who yeah. you know are touring the country and they they were giving us some advice on like what they thought was the best route and they thought for they were saying smaller bands um, who are just kind of breaking out the general consensus from like their point of view was release a single then an EP release a single then an EP and just kind of keep doing that until one breaks and then you do a full length and that was their view on it which did work for them by the way they were they're pretty successful. Yeah. <laughs> if we could break that'd be super cool yeah. <laughs> nice that's awesome so gonna jump into three fun little questions if we can go down the line you guys can answer whatever comes to mind first doesn't have to be stupid rapid fire but just want to get your take on on some of this each of you have one extra hour in the day what do you do with it Oh man! <laughs> wow, we all just looked. We all looked at Michael. Yeah. Like. Okay. So a little bit back. So we did. We, I hit you with the Oprah question. Did I? Did I get? Is this my my Barbara Walters moment? That, okay. That's my my dream is to literally never sleep again. <laughs> I stay awake for the rest of my life because I have so many things that I want to do all the time. But my first answer is. Why only one hour? Why not several? Because <laughs> uh, that's not the question. Question <laughs> one hour. Um, we, it's funny. We just had an interview like a little bit ago, and uh, it was like for Christmas. And they were like, what's the one thing, if you could have anything for Christmas? I was like, a time turner. That, like, <laughs> like, that would be my thing. But anyway, if I had an extra hour, man, I would probably exercise. <laughs> um, Good answer. Yeah. It's just you got to do it, and I blow it off so much because I'm doing other things. Honestly, like Mike's, Mike's going to hate me, but I'd rather use that hour to get an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's my guy. That's right. <laughs> or whatever to get my exercise, so I can use that extra hour to sleep and relax. You guys are just wow. on. You guys are up. You guys can trade out. Hour, <laughs> <laughs> uh, If I had an extra hour, I would actually pay attention to like culture so like <laughs> I, like watch game of thrones or something i don't know i people have a lot of conversations that i can't participate in because i don't i don't watch shows and i it's not because i like hate tv it's because i don't i don't have time so i'd like to do that then let's talk about you mentioned the uh the christmas list this is kind of along those lines but what i like to do with my other musicians in the rockstar collective on facebook is talk about a big ask so what i mean by that is sometimes we're afraid to go for something because we're afraid the answer is going to be no or they're going to ignore us or you know something catastrophic is going to happen if we dare ask for what we want and most of the time you're either going to get it or you'll get information on how you can get it in the future. So with that in mind, if you had one request when it comes to your music career, whether it's to be featured on an album, go on tour with a particular band or to win a particular award, and it's assured that your request would be granted, what is your big request? Man, that's, that's a great question. Oh my goodness. We all have a time 
Yeah, I was gonna say I have like fifteen of those. That I just, <laughs> well, if I had to pick one, that's tough. Yeah, well, and related to your music career, the thing that we always talk about that we would all love to do that we haven't had the opportunity to do yet is to go on tour with a high-profile act, uh, like as an opener. Like, okay, we can ask about Grammy. Like, sky's the limit. But in terms of like realistic stuff, right. going on tour with like someone that we strongly admire that has high profile in the musical world. Uh, that we could get a lot of shows in front of, uh, like if we went on tour with 21 Pilots or something like that, for instance, or someone who's like similar enough to our genre that has like a big following that we could draw from and, and we could participate in. Uh, that would, that would, that we've talked about that and how to do that and how to go about that. So that, that comes to mind. Nice. See, the most important thing really is to just, you know, I know this is going to sound cheesy, but to put it out there in the universe. So 21 Pilots, if you happen to be listening, like they're asking, they would like to go on tour. So, because you, you really, I mean, and that's the truth, though. I mean, I've gotten so many opportunities just because I've mentioned it, and the right person happens to be listening, and you're like, oh, that really? I mean, obviously, like you said, it takes strategy, it takes hard work, but I think sometimes people are too afraid to ask for what they want. So, who else has got one? Uh, I mean, walk the moon for me if I had to pick an artist oh yeah uh, to go on tour with yeah yeah. but another another band maybe small pools I feel like this is becoming like a relic of the 70s or something but like I would love to have a major studio just give us like two months to make an album write stuff in the studio and like make mistakes and like record 30 songs and only put seven of them on the album. Like any producer we want. That kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of recording process or a project. That would be nice. Um, man, that'd be incredible. And like, that's, you know, that's an insane financial investment for a label or for us. So like, like in real life, but like if I were, if I were to get a wish granted. <laughs> well, I like your answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, a more realistic one would be to get some music endorsements. It'd be nice to get like sponsored by like Gibson oh, like gear. or like yeah. for gear and whatnot, because like, you know, as a musician, we go through gear quite often, especially <laughs> Mike as a drummer. Yeah. He goes through like a thousand drumsticks. <laughs> And amounts of strings, strings and, and picks, even guitars. Um, yeah, guitars as well. Yeah, Vic so. Firth, if you're listening. <laughs> and Ernie Paul. <laughs> Ernie, you out there? Yeah. We use a nine standard, so. <laughs> you never know. You never yeah. know. All right, so then the last question that I've got for you guys is, let's say you're each of you are on your own. You've got one day to join one band, play with them, do whatever, make a music video with them, record with them, whatever it is. Who would you each want to go and be in a band for a day with? Living or dead could be any band. Oh man, that's so tough. I know. I want to be in the Mountain Goats. They have nothing to do with our genre, but that's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) And you're sticking to it. I like it. I like the gumption. Honestly, I'm just going to say small polls. Nice. They're, they're one of my favorite bands, so I'd probably say Two Door Cinema Club. I know oh, every cool. single song in their catalog, so it'd be pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. easy. <laughs> so that one's actually feasible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My answer would be. Uh, I mean, he plays alone, but like a duo singer and drummer thing with John Bellion. That'd nice. Be- my number one. All right. I like it. You guys, I gave, I threw the tough ones at you, but you came back with the good answers. I like it. It's your turn now. Tell us what you got going on and then give our listeners an actionable. February 23rd, we'll be playing at Rockwood Music Hall, stage one. In New York City. 
New York City. Yep. Yeah. And then we're also doing uh, Lancaster PA at the TELUS 360 the day after that. So those are those are going to be some good shows. So if you're around yeah, those areas, yeah. come out and hang out. We'd love to see you. And we also have a music video that is out. It's presumably will be out either a few days before or a few days after you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, check our Twitter feed. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, you know, uh, we got we got shows and we got videos, but we also have a single that came out in January called What Are We? And we have a single coming out in a month. And then a full EP called Head First is coming out in April. We'll have some show dates and all that stuff really soon. But we're really excited to put it out. I think it's like easily musically the most cohesive and like exciting thing that we've put together for all of us. Just an exciting project. So we're excited for people to hear it because we haven't... You know, we haven't put out more than one song at a time in over a year. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun to put out a whole a whole bunch of songs at once. Yeah, and follow us on Spotify if you want. Uh, <laughs> Spotify, always, always releasing music. Instagram, yeah. Instagram, any of the socials. Yeah, so if you want to listen to Adam Bradley, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. If you want to listen to me, <laughs> follow us on Instagram. If you want to listen to uh, Matt and Mike, follow us on Facebook. And I recommend that you do all three. You do the trifecta and then you experience the whole band. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody, all of the links and all of the things that they are saying will be in our show notes. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for being our first guest on the Musicpreneur Mindset podcast. And thanks for lending us your talents with our uh, intro and outro music. Really appreciate it. Oh, we were happy to do it. Sorry. (laughs) 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 And um, awesome. Well, we look forward to hearing from you guys some more. And thanks for being here with us. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks so much for listening, Rockstar. I hope you enjoyed the interview. It was my very first interview I've ever hosted, so I hope I made you proud. You can go to the show notes at therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP13 and stream Sub Radio's latest single, What Are We?, and access links to all other bands and noteworthy info mentioned during the interview. Before we go, I want to know, what's your big ask? Post it in our private Facebook group, The Rockstar Collective. You never know. Someone may just be able to make it happen for you. If you enjoyed what you learned here today, you can access all current episodes using your podcast platform of choice, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast. In the meantime, if there's any way I can help you find better ways to communicate with your team, take action on what you really want, or just get some clarity on whatever it is you're going through, I'd be more than happy to. Feel free to email me at any time, suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care. (laughs) 